Hey everyone, it's Pastor Eddie from River of Life. Just want to say thank you for joining us on our podcast. Now let's get ready to hear a word from the Lord today. What does God want to speak to our hearts today? So come on, open your Bibles, open your hearts, and let's get into the Word. And so I talked about why we're even talking about this on week one. I'm not going to recap, just really don't have the time. Uh, So go back if you haven't been with us for the last few nights uh, or few weeks, and you can get caught up, and we've been talking about it. And so next week, though, everybody say next week, life groups start. And so, amen, many have signed up. It's really, really cool. So if you come here on Wednesday night, because youth and girls ministry and Royal Rangers are still going to happen all all the way till July. That's the only time we stop that. Uh, So if you didn't sign up for a life group, because they're on different nights throughout the week, different times, uh, many of them are on Wednesday so that you can bring your kids, put them in the uh, classes, and you can attend a life group as well. They're going to be throughout the building. If you didn't sign up and you just want to come anyway, come on in Wednesday night right in here. We're going to be teaching on the Holy Spirit, Uh, outstanding teaching about drawing near to the Lord. Uh, And so it makes sense because Sunday you're going to see the direction of our church that the Lord gave me for this year is really going to go with that. So it's really, really cool stuff. And uh, yeah, that's it. All right. So tonight we're going to talk about week three, power and authority in Christ. How many know we have authority in Christ? The Bible teaches that Satan does have power, our adversary does have power, but we have authority. And that is a world of difference. He does not have authority over God's children. You hear me? He does not have authority over God's children. He is a dece- I'm jumping right in. Here we go. Here we go. So he, he, um, he tries to intimidate you and I and scare us and make us think like he can't. I've always seen this analogy the Lord gave me years ago when I was coming out of drugs and addiction and all of that. Is that the devil can't push us off a cliff, but he can try to scare us and make us jump. He can't do anything to us. He even has to ask for permission as he did with Job and as he did with Peter. But he can't just do anything he wants to God's people. He has to have permission to do that. And even if you find yourself... In spiritual warfare, there's a purpose for that as well, because it's the trying of our faith and all of that stuff. So, But he has power, but we have authority, and authority comes in the name of Jesus. It also is attached to um, our faith and how we live out our life. And you're going to really see that tonight as we talk about authority in Christ. And so, Lord, we just thank you again for tonight. And as we just dive into this, it's a lot of material lot of scriptures, a lot of topics. Father, I pray that, God, you would help me, Lord, to stay focused and to be used of you to teach this uh, to us all, Lord, as you have shown me and made it clear right here in scripture. And Father, if there's anybody here or is listening that finds themselves in any form of bondage, we know that that is not your will because your will is for your children to be free. And I pray that People would be delivered and set free from all types of bondages from the enemy. And Lord, let this teaching even be used, use this teaching, Lord, to uh, set people free. And we pray that, Lord, in the name of Jesus. And everyone said? 
Amen and amen. All right, so uh, got some fill in the blanks as we go. So Christians need to know about their identity in Christ. That's what the outline says, so I'm just going to follow it as much as I can. And in the power associated with being a child of God. Spiritual authority is for the benefit of giving to others. That's really, really important. Why God gives us uh, the power uh, and authority, it's not to show off. It's not to, uh, for ourselves. It is to help other people. This was one of the first lessons God taught me in deliverance and, and bringing healing to people. It's not about any of those other things. It's all about setting that person who God loves free. You can write down Luke 13. It's a beautiful story of Jesus goes into the temple. and The Bible says a woman was in the temple bound with a spirit of infirmity. That's exactly what he said. She didn't have just a physical illness. This was a spiritual problem, and we covered the difference on the first week. That not all illnesses is a demon. You can be sick, but we put all of it under the devil because of him, because of his, he caused the fall. It's on his tab, right? Uh, but it doesn't mean you have a demon spirit if you have a headache. And so, anyway, but this woman did have a spirit of infirmity. And Jesus healed, he, in fact, she had it for 18 years. And if you read that story, Jesus healed her, told her to stand up straight because this thing caused her to hunch over. And the Pharisees attacked Jesus because he did this on the Sabbath. And so I love, but what you'll see in this story is Jesus' heart. He stops and he says, hypocrites. I think he said it a little tougher than that. He said, how many of you will take care of your donkeys and your animals on the Sabbath if they're thirsty? How much more should this child of God, this daughter of Abraham, be set free. And then he says this. I love the way Luke recorded it. He recorded the conversation. He says these exact words. He says, she has been bound for 18 years. Think of it for 18 years. He actually says that right there, uh, the commentary. I love it. So he's sitting there and he's going, guys, listen, it's not about your religious traditions. This is a child of God who needs to be set free. And so before we go any further in talking about deliverances and things like that, you need to realize and always pray that God will give you the heart of compassion to motivate you to want to set people free. This is going to help you go through the tough seasons if you're working with someone, um, praying for someone to be delivered, and you can get, you know, real, it's tough, it's a season. You know, recovery is not a speedboat, it's a rowboat, I tell people. It's a process, and sometimes it takes time. Having compassion in your heart is what's going to help do it. These are people that God loves and he died for. So that's what spiritual authority is for. And then we'll jump down to, uh, well, no, let me get that last sentence. And never to be used for personal gain or dominate others or control. We are to use our authority to drive out the spiritual darkness and bring in the kingdom of God. That's what the spiritual authority is for. Drive out darkness, bring in the kingdom of God. What is deliverance? Deliverance, it's the exorcism or act of casting out a demon from a person in the name of Jesus. So again, out. I, I emphasize that on purpose because we're called to cast out darkness and bring in the kingdom. We're, darkness is not supposed to cohabitate with light. It is, we're not supposed to have uh, buddies with darkness. God wants us to drive it out. Drive it out of our marriage, drive it out of our entertainment, drive it out of our, our minds, uh, drive out darkness. We, we are to constantly do that as the children of children of God, bringing the kingdom of God. There's no, you know, 
uh, I'm just going to dabble in this. I'm not going to dabble in that. No, no, no. We, we are called to have some standards in our life and to look at darkness as something that is not of God. And we need to drive it out. Everybody say amen. amen. And so um, it is possible for a person who does not know Christ to be occupied by one or more demonic spirits. Through an encounter with the power of the Holy Spirit and true repentance, true repentance, a person can be delivered from demonic bondage. In other words, a person, the reason why repentance, and you're going to see it right here in Acts and in other places, repentance is key in deliverance because a person has to want to be set free in order to be set free. The only, everyone that got delivered from demonic oppression or bondage, they come running to Jesus. The Bible says the demoniac saw Jesus a great distance away and come running to him and fell on his knees. They want, you want, God has given us a free will. And he does the setting free, he does the saving, he does the healing. He just asks us, whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be free. Whosoever will, that's our decision to want to come to Jesus. Now, there are certain situations when a person is so overwhelmed and possessed in some cases or just bound that they need help being brought to Jesus. Absolutely, you do that. Absolutely, you help bring them to the Lord. You help bring them to get set free. They're going to need some help with that. But then even after they're delivered and set free, you'll see here in a minute, it is up to them to immediately ask Christ into their life and then to choose him. Um, so that's why it's so important about repentance. Now, discerning of spirits. Now, they go with deliverance. That's why I put it in here. Discerning of spirits, it's, it goes hand in hand with deliverances. You need to know, we need to know what we're up against, how to pray, how to come at it, uh, what the scripture says, and things like that. So discerning of spirits, it's, it's a gift of the spirit, one of the gifts. It's a supernatural ability to detect the plans and purposes of the enemy and his forces. And God always gives us the discernment to help us in spiritual warfare. It's, it's important to, to pray and ask God, you know, what's, what am I doing here? What's causing this? And he'll, he'll show us. And so this is a, Acts chapter 8, if you have your Bibles, is a, a story where we get so much of this from. It's the story of Philip the evangelist. He goes down to, and he goes down to a city, Samaria. He, he is, um, people get saved. It's a great revival. He's preaching the gospel. And it says, um, I was going to go through all of it, but I won't go through all of it. There's a guy there. His name is Simon, and he's a sorcerer. He's involved with witchcraft. He's in with the dark arts. And he is there, and he's watching this preacher. And he's, this guy is preaching. He's laying hands on people. People are getting healed. People are getting filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. And, and this is all. It's, a, it's just an awesome revival. And this guy is watching this. And the Bible says that Simon, that's his name, Simon also believed and was baptized. It's important to notice that. So, because the question always is, was this guy saved? And given this scripture I'm getting ready to read to you, there's a question mark. But according to Mark 16, 16, whoever believes and is baptized shall be saved. This guy was saved. This guy believed enough to at least get salvation but he still had some issues going on in his life that he needed to be delivered from. It wasn't a demonic spirit that was possessing him, but he was in bondage, as you'll see. So um, 
what do we have? What scripture? I think I got verse 18. If you got that, put that on the screen. Watch this. So this is Simon. And it says, And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money, uh, saying, Give me this power also, that anyone whom I lay my hands on may receive the Holy Spirit. So he, this is what he's used to doing as a sorcerer. He's used to manipulating people. He's attracted to the power. He's attracted to that kind of thing. And he sees Philip doing it. And he's like, man, can I give you some money for this? He, he's saved. He believes and was baptized. But he needs to get, how many know you don't get perfect? You know, you're not perfect when you come to Christ, right? In the eyes of God, your spirit is perfect. But we have a whole bunch of baggage we bring with us to God. And an example is like Lazarus when he was raised from the dead. God gave him the miracle of life. Said, come forth. And Lazarus came forth. And then what did he say? He called his disciples and he said, boys, I want you to go over there and take off those grave clothes and, and set him free and untie him. That's a perfect illustration of salvation. When you come to Christ Jesus with faith and repentance and you say, Lord, I believe in you, Jesus, be the Lord of my life. You are saved. You're on your way to heaven. But there may be also some, some grave clothes that you need to get rid of. There's some things that needs to t come off of you and that comes through a process. Everybody say process. That comes through discipleship. That comes through coming to church and getting into your word and getting into prayer and the Lord working with you. And so there's where we get that from. And here's this guy, Simon. This is exactly what's happened. Look what Peter said. Look how nice Pastor Peter is with this guy. But Peter said to him, your money perish with you because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. You have neither part nor portion in this manner, for your heart is not right in the sight of God. Wow, that always blew me away. So his heart is not right in the sight of God. So he believed, he was baptized, but his heart still wasn't right. Did you get, are you here tonight? You see that? And that's what was going on with this guy. And then here's the antidote, here's the cure. Here's what he's told to do. Very next verse, verse 22. Everybody say that word out loud. Repent. Repent, therefore, of this your wickedness, and pray, God, if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see, now watch this. This is the gift of the Spirit. This is discernment kicking in. He said, for I see that you are poised by bitterness, and you're bound by iniquity. This guy believed. He was baptized but he's still in bondage. You see that? Now, I wouldn't have guessed in a million years that this guy had a problem with unforgiveness. How, where did he get that from? I, I would have thought it's because he's in sorcery or, you know, chanting the candles running through the woods at night. I, I thought he would have something going on like that. But no, Peter immediately said, what your problem is, Simon, is somewhere along the line in your life you've been hurt and you haven't forgiven that person. You haven't been healed of it. And it's turned into bitterness. And so now you spend the rest of your days trying to manipulate others with your pain. And you're, instead of getting healing, you turn it around every time you're confronted. You're turned around because you're a hurt and hurt person hurts other people. Listen, it's important that we go through the storm. Because if we don't go through storms, the worst thing that can ever happen is the storm will move into us. 
And in this situation, he had something like that happen to him, which sent him down a very dark place. And now it shows up when he's trying to go and get filled with the Holy Spirit. Whenever we are trying to pursue God and go deeper into our faith, he will always put his God in his love and mercy. He will always put a light on our life and say, hey, we, we need to address this issue. I got some good stuff for you, but we got to address this issue. The woman at the well, I'm thirsty. Can you give me something to drink? Oh, they're hitting it off. Jesus is loving on this Samaritan woman, and they're having a great relationship. And as soon as she says, oh, give me this water, he goes, we got to talk about your love life. You, you're living with a guy, and he's number six, and you've had five, and go get your husband. That is what God does in the process. So this man... And then this man, unfortunately, he did not repent. Then Simon answered and he said, please pray, pray to God for me, that none of these things which you've spoken will come upon me. And Peter went on and, and they left from their church. History goes on and depicts Simon as being the father of all heresies. There was even a, a phrase coined in early church tradition called simony, simony or simony. And that means if a person... Is, is like that means that they are a heretic. So we don't have it in Scripture if he went one way or, or another. Uh, we certainly don't have that Simon repented, but we, church history does teach that Simon went on and become uh, a heretic and started his own thing. Unfortunately, he did not repent and get right with God. And so that is in, very uh, sad to hear. But in your notes there, a source, I have a bunch of stuff there about how man, manipulation and stuff uh, but the fill in the blank there is unforgiveness. Peter identified the basis for Simon's sorcery as bitterness, a deepening effect of unforgiveness. Here he's warning regarding the danger of tolerated or embraced unforgiveness, which may like poison permeate and bind the soul, ultimately corrupting everything around it. The word bound there, I, I wanted to just show you that because it's important. This is a believer but it says he was bound. It's a Greek word, syndosmos, and it means to be tied together. I don't know if this is in your notes. It means to be tied together of ligaments by which a human body are united together. So this is why Jesus always went to great lengths on teaching on unforgiveness. Let me just drop this in before we go on. You can, we all... Jesus taught a lot about unforgiveness for two reasons. One, because we all will get offended. James tells us that we all will be offended and we all offend with our tongue. James says that. We all do that all the time. So Jesus talked a lot about unforgiveness and forgiving because we're going to experience that in this life. Secondly, he talked about it in that we, in the context, always a warning that we need to learn to forgive because this is why it opens the door to demonic bondage. It, it will go from being, having a resentment, it, it goes toward being offended and then uh, um, res unforgiveness, resentment, and then bitterness. And when you, when you are bitter, uh, that's, a, that's, a, that's a bad place to be. It affects many areas of your life your prayer life, and everything else. And it really opens the door for oppression like you've never seen it before. And uh, that is important that we need to make sure we do that. So Peter had to sermon. I wanted you to see how, how Peter was used with discernment in setting this guy free. And you know what? We can, we can pray and use discernment on ourselves. 
If you find yourself as a jealous person or as a person that has a temper problem or a lust problem, it, you can go to God with that and say, God, give me discernment. What, what, what is this connected to in my life? Why am I always so jealous? Why, why, why is this always happening to me? What did Jesus say before we take the uh, plank, a uh, speck out of someone's eye, remove the plank from our eye? Sometimes we need to pray and ask God, and the Holy Spirit will do that. <laughs> He'll say, I'm glad you asked. This is what's been happening in your life. This is what happened. It was that. I've had this happen. Uh, my wife can testify. This was an area in her life when we were saved for just about uh, a year. Uh, my wife, uh, she was going through some things, and the Lord was, was uh, she, she, it's like she hit a brass ceiling. She wasn't hearing from God. It just, it was very dry for her to hear the things of the Lord. Meanwhile, God's just pouring out his blessing on me. And she, when she tells the story, she says that she was so mad at me, wanted to punch me and all this. And so... But she got along with God, and she said, God, what's my problem? And the Lord spoke to her and told her uh, a personal thing in her life that she needed to forgive somebody. And I can't tell it like she does, but that totally set her free and allowed her to go to another whole level. Years ago, I was in a hotel. I, I don't have time for many stories, but I'll tell you this. just now came to me. So uh, I got saved, and uh, I began to seek the Holy Spirit. I wanted to get filled with the Holy Spirit. I began to read it in the Bible uh, and, and stuff, but I didn't want to go in, in a church in front of everybody and speak in tongues because I knew I was going to cry, and I don't cry in front of nobody. This was my 25-year-old tough self. I mean, I, and I never cried in front of my wife. I mean, I stood in, in, in courtrooms uh, facing a long, serious stuff, and she never saw me cry. I was tough. I was stupid. Anyway, uh, so I still had some pride in my life. You know, but I wanted this power of the Holy Spirit, the prayer language. I was hearing about it. Pastor was teaching on it. And I got alone with God, and I prayed. And I got in my hotel room because I, I used to drive my truck over the, over the road. And so my route was Grand Rapids, Holland, South Haven. And I spent the night in South Haven. And I was in my hotel, and I was praying. And actually, this time I was actually in Grand Rapids praying. God, fill me with the Holy Ghost. And I wanted him to fill me in the privacy of my own room. And uh, I prayed and prayed. I was fasting that day. Nothing happened, but I did go to sleep that night, and God gave me a dream, and in my dream, um, I went to, my, went to this neighborhood, and someone called me, and it's, it's a long dream, I'll just make it short, and in this dream, I had a suit on, and for some reason, I knew I was either a pastor or in ministry, so that was the first hint. See, when you, God will begin to show you glimpses. Oh, here I go. God will begin to show you glimpses when he's working in your life. He'll just show you a glimpse of what he wants to do in your life. Write those down. Write them down. Hang on to them because God's got more for you. And he does that to keep you going. So he began to show me this glimpse. So I, that scared me to death. But I, I was called into this house, and there was this, this um, girl on a couch, and she was demon-possessed. And one of my friends was standing at the end of the couch, and then all these people were there, and they wanted me to come set this girl free. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> what? And I walked in, and I remember I, in my dream, I sat down, and I began to pray over this girl. And I was commanding the devil to come out in the name of Jesus. I'm quoting scriptures, and I remember these things, these spirits come out of her, and they went like, like as they left, they came by me. And the anger and hatred in my dream I felt from these spirits was sobering. Like when I woke up, I was trembling because they hated me so bad. It was hate. It was amazing. It was crazy. And I set her free. God set her free. And then she got up off the couch and she was like a, 
I don't know, maybe nine or ten, and in my dream, she morphed and just grew into this 17, 18-year-old young girl, very pretty, very long hair. And everybody in the room said, whoa, what just happened? And I said these words. I'm saved maybe six months. I don't even know this stuff in the Bible. And in my dream, I said, this spirit has had her bound for so many years. She wasn't able to grow and mature the way God designed her to. It hindered and stunted her growth. Do you feel that? And the Lord told me, he said, Eddie, you're going to be used in the deliverance ministry to help people get free from things that have held them back. Be honest with you, I feel like I've just tapped into it and I'm just now starting to walk in it. Over the years, I've been able to help many people, but it's, I, I think that's still coming. Hallelujah. Amen? That's what unforgiveness can do in your life. It will hinder you from growing and following God and walking in your destiny. Unforgiveness is a serious. Look up how many scriptures and parables he's talked about it. It's a lot because it's something that we, we need to. All right, keep moving. We got to go. Keep going through this. So uh, strongholds is, is another one I wanted to throw in here because strongholds, again, is something that Christians deal with. And uh, the word strongholds in the Greek, it means fortress. So that kind of paints a picture of what a stronghold is. It's like a fortress. It's a place in our minds. And um, I have in there that, you know, sometimes people can turn over a new leaf or, or can change and, and, and to a certain degree by just being a very disciplined, very focused, very energetic, hardworking person. Okay? Here we are in, in January and we're... Uh, we're already seeing some New Year's resolutions fall apart. We see it every year, right? People are trying to, um, I'm sorry, I think my grandson has my phone. Okay, so it's got to be him. And so uh, a stronghold can end up being a uh, fortress, a place in our minds and hearts where the enemy has gotten in there and, and uh, you can't change. So some people can change. We can all do some change to a certain degree. But then there comes another level of struggle that you find yourself in, that you cannot break this pattern of thinking, Th these, these, these thoughts, uh, th this, this uh, negative thinking, th this uh, unhealthy pattern, you can't seem to break it. That could be possibly be a stronghold. I say it like this, willpower is not strong enough to break sin's power. Willpower is not strong enough to break sin's power. I'm a strong-willed man. I've always been. Ask my mom when I was a kid. I, if you told me I couldn't do it, even if I didn't want to do it, now I'm going to do it to prove you wrong. That was me. I've always been that person. And I was always, when I really set my mind to it, even during the years when I was out in sin and rebellion, I had some great achievements and opportunities to do some great things in my life. But I blew it because of my flesh and the lust of the flesh. But when I set my mind to do something, I could do it. How many are like that? Pretty strong-willed person. Yeah, amen. But then I found myself trying to break addiction and certain habits, and it was scary to admit. I wouldn't admit it. I just kept saying I could quit any time. But I remember that feeling that, oh, my gosh, I can't stop. That's because I, was in a, I had bondage in my life that only Jesus can set me free. And this was, there are strongholds that can also be. Um, all right, so let's go. We'll talk more about strongholds here in just a moment. Now, as we turn the curve, I, I told you I packed a lot into this. And so now let's talk about how the solution, let's talk about the solution. I'm going to go back up to repentance because that is a key in deliverance. 
okay? The power of repentance. Remember, Peter told that man to repent. Repentance, in your notes, is a part of deliverance. It is a part of deliverance. Repentance is key in deliverance. I can pray over you, anoint you with oil, have you run circles and chant or whatever else. If you are not repentant in your heart, you will not see deliverance in your life. You just won't. That free will that God has given us has to be applied. It has to be given freely to the Lord. And here's a scripture that back that up. This will blow your mind. Many don't even know this is in the Bible. 2 Timothy, Paul is writing this to Timothy, young pastor, and he says, And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, uh, but be gentle. This is 2 Timothy 2.24. I think that's in your notes. It's on the screen. It says you, they, must not, uh, they must be able to teach patient and humility. Watch this. Correcting those who are in opposition. Now watch. If God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. That is an amazing scripture. There are people that have been taken captive by the enemy to do his will. That right there ought to, ought to really get your attention. Wow. You mean that you can be under the control of the enemy and do what he wants to do? Yeah, you absolutely can. And what does Paul tell Timothy the key to this is? Repentance. Repentance. So here's the thing. If you do have a loved one that is in bondage, what do you do? And they don't want to be free. And I know that breaks your heart. I think of the prodigal son. That broke the father's heart as well to know his son took off and left. This is what you do. You begin to pray for him anyway. You begin to pray deliverance over them. You begin to pray the scriptures over them. He will live and not die. He will speak the word of God. She will live for the Lord. And you begin to pray that that God will open up their eyes. And in the story of the prodigal son, what happened? He came to his senses. That's what you pray. And I prayed this, God, and I've had people, my mom will pray this and pray this. Do what you got to do to get that boy's attention. God, get their attention. Pray that. And what we're praying is for that individual to come to their senses come to the point that they realize that serving God is better. And that's all they need because soon as that story, the boy, soon as he began to go back to the father's house, what happened? The Bible says even when he was a great far away, Leroy, the father looked and saw him and said, I've been waiting for this. All I want is for you to show that you want to be back here. I'll do the rest. And the Bible says the father ran to his son. Hear me, ran to his son. And a Jewish man don't run for nothing. But he ran right down the middle of that city in front of all of his neighbors and everybody. And he grabbed his son who smelled like a pig, who was with the swine. And you know the story. And he hugged him right there in front of everybody. And there's so many Jewish traditions I can throw in that story to, to even bring it around more. But you get the gist of it. He wanted to be set free. And the father said, it's all I needed. Here's a ring. Here's shoes. Here's a robe. We're going to celebrate. Because my son who was dead, which is another important theological understanding, he was dead, but yet he is alive. What do you mean he was dead? He was not dead. He was out feeding the pig. And unless you are in the house with God, you and I are spiritually dead. 
I tell this to people who clean up their act with a little bit of willpower and they get a job and they grow up, as we say. You know, they used to party, but now they're, they're going to school. They got their, went back and got their degree. They're doing really good, but they don't come to Jesus, but they're doing good. And that's a very um, easy thing to fall into. It's kind of like a self-righteous thing and people think they're okay. And I tell them, no, it's, that's very good that you made some changes. I'm proud of you. But listen, you are still spiritually dead. Just because you cleaned yourself up doesn't mean you've been born again and you're in the Father's house. That's a good thing that you did that, but you're still in the eyes of God dirty and you need to be cleansed. Oh, hey, man, isn't that good? Let's keep going. All right, that's the power of repentance. Now, let's talk about deliverance and beyond. Uh, demonic activity of any kind needs to be followed by repentance and the inviting of God's spirit in the person's life immediately. Now, let's get back into this now. Immediately. This is for two reasons. Number one, because God desires to dwell with us. 1 Corinthians 1.9. We are called into fellowship with God. God desires to have a relationship with us. He loves us so much he sent his son, right? So when a person is, is free, whether uh, it's some kind of deliverance or, you know, they come and they're like, man, I want to I, I get free. You pray with them and, and, and they, they get set free. Uh, then that's amazing, that's awesome, then you need to also say, listen, you need to receive Christ into your life like right now. <laughs> and, and, and here's the second reason. Because submitting to Christ protects us from demonic bondage and control. Okay? And I gave you a ton of scriptures. Galatians 5 is a great one. Romans 6 is, the, is very good. But look at Matthew 12. You have that on the screen? Matthew 12, Jesus is talking about spirits there and he says when an unclean spirit goes out of a man that the spirit goes through dry places seeking rest and finds none if i had time i'd go break that down about dry places but i don't but that's a that's very interesting and there's something to that he says he don't okay then he says i will return to my house from which i came and when he comes if he finds it empty everybody say empty that's the key word in that teaching he finds it empty swept and put in order then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter and dwell there, and the last state of that man is worse than the first. So shall it be with this wicked generation. Now Jesus is teaching a spiritual principle on demonology and spiritual bondage. He turns right around and says, it's, I'm not talking about an individual, I'm actually describing an entire generation. There are many people who hold America in this context because we did once upon a time start as a Bible-believing Christian nations where the government printed Bibles and were the first institution to place Bibles in our public schools. It was the U.S. government. And now we all know you can barely even pray in public on the grounds of our capital and our nation. How far we have fallen. And Jesus warns that if someone gets delivered and the Lord blesses you and you're walking with God for you to go back and here's the other fill in the blank. This is this really helped me so much to, to stay walking with the Lord and that is returning to past bondage results in deeper bondage. This is so this is why repentance is a key. Repentance by the way is not a one-time act, it's a lifestyle. It's an attitude that you and I consistently repent because you're going to sin. You're going to blow it. You're going to fall. And if you really love the Lord, which I know you all do, amen, you're going to hate it when you do, and you're going to say, Lord, forgive me. 
cleanse me. What did Jesus tell us to pray that every day? Forgive me my sins, lead me not into temptation, but to, but to forgive me my sins as I forgive others who sin against me. See, he threw that in there with that prayer too, that unforgiveness thing. There it is again, you see. But he said we ought to pray that every day. But uh, it's not just a prayer because please don't get into a religious prayer and think because I said these words that then I can go live the way I want to live. No, 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 it's an attitude of the heart that really doesn't want to violate God's love and his grace. Amen? But Jesus taught here that if this is a person that gets set free and God blesses them, heals them, gives them victory, they're doing good, and then they start doing good for a little bit, and then they're like, yeah, I've seen this so many times. Yeah, I'm doing good. You know, it's been a few months, and, you know, I've been doing this. And, and then all of a sudden, you know, they begin to get tempted to go back, and, and I've had friends that, you know, have done this. And it, it didn't end well. And they go back and go, I go chase them and try to get them. And, and um, one particular guy just was just uh, horrible. And he went back out, left Team Challenge early. And, oh, I'm good enough, Eddie. I said, no, you're not. You didn't stay. You need to stay. You know, and um, he didn't. He left. I had his wife and children at my house living with me while he was going through the program. And, and he left. And he was going to a church. I had him go to a church in his neighborhood because he didn't have a car. He wanted to come out here with us. We just started our church, and uh, we couldn't. And I, I knew if I said, yeah, come to our church, he wouldn't come all. He needed to go and be in church. Long story short, that pastor called me and said, hey, he's, uh, he's out here doing drugs again. I remember going and, and uh, chased him at Home Depot, and there he was, returning a power washer, trying to get the money back. And go, he had his outfit on. It's, it's, it, there's like a soul tie with a lot of this kind of sin when he was involved with that. I've seen this happen. When, when you go back to the old, it's like a, an identity people will get. It's like certain songs, certain things. And whenever he would get into crack cocaine, he would, he would get dressed in his black dickies. He would wear his hat. He'd get his pit bull. He'd go on the streets. And he, he was a very tough guy, very fight, fighting guy. And he would rob crack dealers. And this is just what he did. And then he, then he got saved and he was coming to church. And uh, he backslid and he went right back to that. And um, he was shot and killed at uh, just 33 years old. And it, it was, uh, his brother was shot too, but his brother survived and went through the program and came out. And he's five years clean and sober, uh, probably listening to this podcast. Yeah, amen. Give it up for him. He's doing great. Uh, and he's living in Chicago. And um, I hate to use that story, okay, but it's real. It happens. It's not a game. And um, Jesus is teaching here. This is a serious teaching that he does here. Returning to past bondages always results in deeper bondage. Second Peter 2.20 is another scripture. Uh, I don't have time to really get to that. Well, there it is. So let's go. Here's Peter. Peter knows about it because Peter went back. Peter went back and got an a, a apple out of that sack, as my dad says. He went back to his old life. Remember, they all did. And so Peter actually chimes in and talks about this. And he says, if after they've escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord. Now, this is an important teaching for Christians to hear. Because, you know, there's a doctrine and teaching out there uh, that it's unconditional eternal security. And, and that is not, this is right here, blows that to pieces. You can be saved and born again and love Jesus and then walk away from him. That's sad. I hope nobody does that. 
uh, but you can commit apostasy. You can do it, and man, the devil will gladly take you back, and it's not a happy ending. Here Peter talks about it. He said, if they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, if they again are entangled in them and overcome, I think that's a process. I think you can get entangled as a believer, love Jesus, and you find yourself out there, and you're entangled. You need help. You can get delivered and set free. I think that's one situation. But then there's one where he says, and overcome. That word is back to where you were. He says, the latter is worse to them than the beginning. For it would have been better of them to have not known the way of righteousness. Do you believe what he's saying here? It is better, this is New Testament theology, this is your Bible, this is the grace of God theology that's in your New Testament. Peter hits us with a sobering warning here. It's better if they've not known the way of righteousness and haven't known it and turned back from the Holy Commandment. To them, it has been happened to them, and it's true proverb of a dog returning to his own vomit. And a sow, a sow, a pig having washed, returning to his mud, to the mud after it's been bathed. You don't want to do that. I don't mean to get bring a icky feeling in here tonight, but it's the fear of the Lord is what we is what we need, is how we interpret these scriptures. And the fear of the Lord is a beautiful thing. David said, It's the fear of God, one will depart from iniquity. He didn't say the love of God. He said it's the fear of God. You need to have both. You need to have the love of God and realize that He does have a hold of you and He loves you. If you were the only person, He would have sent Jesus to die for you. He loves you that much. Jesus says in his last prayer that God the Father loves us, watch this, loves us as much as he loves Jesus. John 15 and 16, read that. That'll blow your mind. Are you what? Because how many has ever been told by the enemy that God don't love you? He loves us. And you need to know that Paul said, that the love of God constrains me, it compels me. So, lo so the love of God needs to do that. But also the fear of the Lord is very important. Every believer has a, a, a righteous, um, serious reverence of Almighty God. Amen? Can you handle that? That was heavy to go run right through that. Now, who can deliver? Oh, Lord. Okay, so I may go a, a minute or two over. Not real long because we got a lot of kids over there. And I do, and mindful of our, these guys work their jobs on Wednesdays, come in and watch our kids, or, or they don't watch our kids, we teach our kids, and so I do want to be mindful of them. So if I don't finish all this, you have the notes to go home. I do want to hit this. Who can deliver people? Okay, let's talk about that. I'm going to show you a very unlikely passage to deal with this. It's Galatians 6.1. If you have it, go ahead and put it on the screen. Paul says this, he says, um, if a brother is overtaken in a fault, you who are spiritual, go and help them. But consider yourself, lest you also are tempted. You have that? If you can put it up there, Galatians 6.1. So Paul, in that scripture, he's telling us who should be the one to go and deliver people, okay? Well, all of us can be used to bring freedom to people, uh, but... We're not all told to just go running out, laying hands on people, ca you know, casting demons. I know, I know Jesus gave the great commission to that, but there, there's some discipleship that needs to happen uh, before you get. Remember the seven sons of Sceva? Okay, you can read that over in Acts. I had it in there somewhere. Acts 19, that's a story of these guys that went and tried, took it upon themselves, you know, to go do this stuff. So, but Paul tells us here in Galatians 6.1 that 
he directs qualified, mature, and spiritually equipped believers to do the restoration uh, for fellow believers who are trapped and bound by the enemy. So let's break it down. He says, you who are spiritual, restore such a one. What's a spiritual? A spirit. He says, you who are spiritual, not a carnal Christian, a spiritual Christian, someone who's walking in maturity. You're not perfect, but you're mature. You've got some victory in your life. Paul is saying, that's a spiritual person who is able to, to go and be used by the, God, by the Lord. You know, we, we have a very, very high standards in our church, in our leadership, even with our altar team. You know, we, we, we handpick them, we teach them, we train them, we go through it. Because I don't want somebody who, again, no one's perfect, but I don't want, how are we going to pray for people to be free from something that we are stuck in? I, I never understood that. You know, and, and so we do ask people that are, you're not perfect, you know, but you need to have some victory in your life. You be free from habits, uh, alcohol, tobacco. How are you going to pray for someone who wants to quit smoking and you got a pack of Marlboros on your shirt? I'm just teaching tonight. Come on, somebody. Okay, I'm trying to help you. Sometimes we say, Lord, use us, and he says, I can't. I mean, Paul had Timothy circumcised so he can be use, useful to the Jewish people. Why did he do that? He didn't have to get circumcised to be saved. He was already saved by faith. Well, it's a very Jewish traditional thing, and especially in those days, he was, be, he was a Greek and not a Jew. They would not even listen to him unless he was saying that he's been circumcised and it was a big deal. It was a big deal in that culture. Point is this, is that there are certain levels of victory God wants us to get to. He'll use us right where you are. He'll use you. He's used me, man, from day one. But to... Other, to go to those next levels, the Lord does expect us here. He says it. You who are spiritual, go and restore such a one. And, and be cautious that you yourself may be tempted. I mean, it took me two years before I went back to the old neighborhood, calling, getting people uh, saved. I think it was four years I walked right up into a crack house where my old friends were partying. And what was amazing is to see them hide stuff. And, oh, my gosh, you know, and, and one of the guys was there. Not, many of them didn't. They didn't care. He was all high or whatever. I was there to get somebody that had no business being there. And I was going to get them. And this one guy said, oh, Eddie's here. And he goes, he goes, hey, you want some Kool-Aid? I got some Kool-Aid in the fridge. <laughs> and I said, no, I'm driving tonight. Anyway, it's a little joke, you know. He wasn't expecting me. He thought I was going to get all offended. So I pulled up and I sat down and I started talking to him about Jesus and why I walked away from that. And, and what was so amazing, I got that person out of there, but I remember walking home, getting to the car and driving home, feeling like how Jesus said to the disciples, he said, the God of this world is coming for me, but he's got nothing in me. And I said, thank you, Lord. I truly am free. But make no mistake about it, the Lord told me to go. I tried to go earlier. And God gave me a dream, which I don't have time to get into, and told me not to. Because I wasn't ready. I thought I was, but I wasn't. Because I go back there and start witnessing to him, and it'd fall right apart. Next thing you know, I got a 40 and a blunt, and I'm sitting there on a porch talking about Jesus. And that really is going to get everybody confused. Can you all handle this stuff tonight? It's truth. He says, let someone who is spiritual and mature... Go and deliver someone. Here's another one. A spiritual person is someone who's also submitted to, the, to God and his authority. 
Where do you get this from? Look at, everyone has heard of this, right? Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. How many has heard that verse? Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Look at the whole verse. People only quote half of it. The whole verse is this. It's in James chapter 4, verse 7. Therefore, submit to God. You got that one? Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. It starts with submitting to God. I like the word surrender. Surrendering to God. You're not perfect, but you're surrendered. You're surrendered. A surrendered person is under authority. And God recognizes that, and, the, and everybody else in the spirit realm recognizes that. Remember, Jesus only said twice in his whole ministry, Whoa, I've never seen such great faith. And that was when the centurion came and said, Lord, I am also a man under authority, and I know you are too. He recognized the power of authority. And he said, Jesus, just say the word right where you are, and my servant be healed. And Jesus said, I haven't seen this faith in all of Israel. Why? It's because a man understood authority. Authority is everything. We are submitted to God's authority. Everybody needs to have somebody we look up to. Your pastor, we, that's why I love belonging to the Assemblies of God. I've got many higher ups that I answer to. And I look, it's a scary place to get to the top of a hill, look up, nobody's there. I was a part of a church, and I know churches like that, and that's scary. Everybody needs somebody over you. All right, our authority over the enemy is only as strong as our submission to God. Oh, that's so good. Our authority over the enemy is only as strong as our submission to God. I think that's the last fill in the blank. I got, no, I got one more about strongholds. Okay, I, I'm not going to have time to get into that, but the last piece there is deliverance and how to pull down strongholds. 2 Corinthians 10.4 is the scripture. You can go back and listen to this podcast, even though it's because I'm going kind of fast, it, it, for you to maybe pick up on something that I I'm, went I'm fast through. But strongholds, uh, let me just say this, behind every stronghold is a lie. That's how strongholds are formed, right? They're, they're a lie. And you believe them. We believe them, and then a stronghold is formed there, and personal bondage is formed. That paragraph down with the blanks in it, let me just say that. Deliverance and true freedom comes from addressing the source of bondage and not the symptoms. That's what I love about the Word of God. And there's where discernment comes. See, I'm not going to just get a person to stop drinking. I just don't want a person to stop doing drugs. I don't want a person to just start, just quit sleeping around. Yeah, those are symptoms. God deals with the source. Why is a person always going to alcohol? Why is a person always going to these relationships? The woman at the well. God always deals with the source. I always deal with the source when I'm helping somebody. It's not just pulling the tree, the, the fruit off the trees and stop that. Stop. You know, that's what that's a New Year's resolution. God deals with sources. And there's where you start talking about strongholds. A reason why people do that is because they believe a lie that that's going to make them feel good. That's going to take away their problems. That's going to take away their pain. It's going to take away their shame. It's going to take away their guilt. They believe that and that's why they go to that. That's the source. That, that's, now you're getting into some deep stuff there. The Word of God does that. Scripture tells us in Hebrews 4 that the Word of God is powerful, living, sharper than any two-edged sword. Watch this. Able to separate between the soul and the spirit like the bone and the marrow. That's a deep verse right there. That's a deep verse right there. Here's your weapons for pulling down strongholds. You've got to confront them. God's Word 
the name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, the power of our testimony. That's it right there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop there. That's how you get delivered. You, you confront those strongholds. You've got to confront the evil. You confront it in the name of Jesus. Make sure you're walking with the Lord, asking God, forgive me, cleanse me, Lord. I say this every time I preach. Now, I, you know, I'm not walking in any willful sin, but I'm a sinful person. I'm a human being. Before I minister anywhere, I always stop and I say, Lord, cleanse me. Wash me. Before I sit down and get my notes and get my message together, I pray that. And then before I come out and I start preaching, I want to be, Isaiah said, be ye clean, you who bear the vessels of the Lord. We need the Lord, search my heart, cleanse me, use me. I want to help people, Lord, use me, cleanse me. That's what you need to pray if if you want to be used in deliverances and helping people get set free. And then you confront that thing head on in the name of Jesus. You ask for discernment. Lord, what's causing this? What's going on here? He'll give you discernment. You attack it in the name of Jesus, and God will bring deliverance and victory. Okay. I'm probably going to preach this uh, on Sundays coming up this fall. I'll do all seven weeks. We'll take our time. How many enjoyed it so far, though? You get something out of it? Okay. Amen. Let's stand. Let's pray. And we go get our kids before our volunteers come in here and choke me. Lord, we thank you tonight for this word. And Lord, it's serious business to get free and and to walk in the freedom. Father, I know it's Wednesday night, Lord, and we're thinking about work today and work tomorrow. And Father, this word, I pray, would just go deep into our hearts. And God, that we would grab a hold of it and apply it to our life so we can walk in freedom as you have desired all of us to do. And I pray a blessing over everybody that came out tonight. Everyone's listening to this podcast. Lord, that you would bring true transformation, true freedom to your people. Because no father wants to see their children in any kind of bondage. And neither do you. And you've given us the weapons, the tools to be free. I pray we will receive them and run with them, Lord. And use us to bring deliverance as well, God, to those that are in bondage, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, amen and amen. I pray that message was a blessing to you, that you received some sort of encouragement or word of instruction from the Lord. That's our prayer at River of Life, that every time you tune in, that God speaks directly to your heart. Well, this is Pastor Eddie again. Just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast and remind you that every Tuesday, a new message is uploaded. Also, if you want to watch one of our services, head over to our YouTube channel. It's River of Life Church, a church of his presence his promises and all people and you can watch one of our services that way as well so god bless you i pray god's presence be with you uh, for the rest of the week amen